You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. You guys ready? Uh, man, I, I'm excited for this morning. Uh, we, we've already had a really incredible morning with God moving in this space. And so really excited that you're here with us in person, online. Excited to see what God continues to do. I want to uh, do something uh, special today. And uh, I'm going to invite up our worship pastor and creative director, uh, Hannah and Alec. Rima, could you welcome them up this morning? I know I made a pregnant lady come up on stage. I'm sorry. No one is more stylish, though. You rock it out. Uh, as you guys, some of you guys might know, but some of you might not, uh, Alec and Hannah, they joined us about a year and a half ago, uh, coming down from Idaho, and really have been incredible uh, in this season of ministry here for us at Banner Church, and we're so thankful for them. Uh, and a, a couple, let's say like a month ago or so, we started talking about, and you guys have been talking about, really uh, feeling like God's called you into a new season, a different place. And so they're actually uh, getting ready to head back to Idaho uh, to be back in Coeur d'Alene. So we are going to love them and miss them, but we know anywhere, anywhere they go, it is a blessing from the Lord. Amen? Amen. So for us, we are so thankful, and, and uh, I'm going to let you share, uh, but I just wanted you guys to hear from Katie and I as you guys transition at the end of this month. We are so grateful for you and your job here. How many of you know it's, it's hard to start a church job right when COVID hits, right? <laughs> uh, but it was such an incredible season of how you guys ministered and poured in, and uh, you know, there's a lot of crazy things that happened in that season, but it was so cool to see how God used you guys. And Kate and I talked about that, that we just constantly encourage, and I've constantly encouraged you, don't stop stepping into that place, because God has an anointing on your life, and he has called you to ministry. And man, I just encourage you guys, we love you, and we're so grateful for you, and all that you guys have done. And as much as we're sad, uh, as a church that has to love, disciple, and send, uh, the sending part is never as fun. Uh, but we are just so excited for you guys, and we love you so much. And we love your kids. Uh, they're incredible. We're going to miss you guys, but that's a sign that you've loved somebody well is that you miss them, right? Can we honor them? Can we thank them this morning? I'm just going to have them share. Man, I could say a lot, but I'm so thankful for the season. I've loved getting to know all of you guys, and it's been uh, incredibly growing, stretching. Uh, it's been a wild ride, even though it's been like a year and a half, but we we're sad to go, and even though we're excited to step into a new season, we'll always remember Banner Church and the investment that you guys have poured into us and how you've loved us throughout this whole year. So thank you. Uh, we love all of you guys. We'd love to say uh, goodbye to you before we leave, but yeah. Awesome, and you guys are here for a couple more weeks. This is not like your last day. So just so you guys know, you're like, they're leaving tomorrow. No, they're, they're here, don't worry. Uh, so you can uh, bless them, encourage them, uh, speak into their life and as, as they get ready to go and, I don't know, visit them in Idaho. So there you go. Uh, can we do this this morning? I'm going to invite my wife up if you would come in. Would you do me a favor? Would you just stand with me and just reach your hands out towards them? We want to bless them. You guys can slide up here a little bit into the light. Let's pray together and just pray a blessing upon this whole family. God, we thank you for the Rimas. We thank you for bringing them here in this season. God, we honor them for their commitment to the church and to all of us here and what they've done and how you've worked through them. We pray a blessing upon their lives. We pray a blessing upon their children. We're so thankful even at a young age how we can see God moving in their children's life. We pray a blessing on this child about to be born. We just pray and enrich and an encouragement and a strengthening, God. We pray that you would continue to pour out in their ministry and in their life, God. And we thank you uh, for the time that we've had. And we just pray that we would continue to lift them up and celebrate them in prayer, God, as they go out. We pray a physical protection on them as they prepare to move. We pray a spiritual protection on their relationship and on their marriage that you would unite them and bring them continually closer together, even in, in this season 
season of transition, God, that we would protect them from any scheme of the enemy, but would put your angels around them to guard them and watch over them. We celebrate them. We thank you that no matter where we are, we are ascending part of one body, the body of believers united by one spirit, the Holy Spirit filled and walking in continuance and rejoicing together. We thank you, mighty God. We celebrate them. And all God's people said, amen. Can we celebrate the Ramos this morning? <laughs> I told Hannah, I was like, I'm not going to make you say anything. Don't worry. <laughs> Excited for you guys. Man, is it wild that the summer is like almost over? I mean, not like in temperature, but I mean like on the calendar. It's crazy. It's going fast. Um, we have some stuff coming up that I'm really excited about. You know, this last week we did uh, Unite Phoenix on Saturday. We were out there. I love it on the community. I really encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, it's the second, second Saturday, second Saturday of every month. Really, really cool opportunity to connect with organizations around the valley. Uh, also, we have a really great opportunity. Uh, we have a really, really cool children's director here. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, but if you guys don't have a chance, make sure to check out online. But if you have a chance, go back and look at the, like, glow light setup that they've done back there. We had a team here on their Friday night, uh, which is, I mean, that's something right there. Uh, give up their Friday night to come and make that space, like, glow in the dark with all this, like, neon paint and stuff. It's so cool. But uh, one of the really cool things that Delaney has set up is an incredible outreach to Tonalea Elementary. Now, that's a school that we do a lot of serving through, and we love that school, but there's a lot of opportunity to bless that school because there's a lot of need. And so we know personally there's a lot of students there who will not have the supplies necessary to begin school, and so we want to bless them. And the school is exhausted after last year, and so we want to come in and bless them. And so the school on Friday, normally they would have a time where kids could get their schedules and do that at night, but they're doing it in the middle of the day. So they've offered to us to send their students here that Friday night at the end of the month that they could come in, get school supplies. We're going to do food. We're going to do haircuts uh, for all the kids. We're going to have like this like bouncy house water slide thing going on outside. It's going to be amazing, but we need a few things to make it happen. And what I love about our church is we're really good at rallying to bless the community, right? Uh, we need probably about 150 backpacks. Currently, we have about uh, uh, 30, I think I looked out there. So we're 120 backpacks away. Now, my personality, we're making this happen, right? Uh, but it's because I believe in what God is doing in the city and in these lives. God has given us such an opportunity to go in and to pray at a public school. That, and I'm from Seattle. That's crazy to me. Uh, uh, and and he just continues to give it. So we keep rising to the occasion, and God keeps moving, and it's incredible. So we need a few things. We need backpacks. So if you haven't grabbed one of those cards, one or two or whatever, of those cards in the back, they're numbered. You can go back there, grab one of those little cards. It says, like, elementary boy or middle school girl, whoever it might be, and it has uh, some information and a backpack, and you fill, you get those things, you put it in a backpack, you tie the card to it, and you bring it back. Pretty simple. If you don't want to go to the store, you can go on and donate uh, banner.church slash give, and there's a little fund for it there you can donate to, and we'll just go shopping for you. Uh, and the other thing is we need people to volunteer, but we also need some hairstylists, people who cut hair, barbers, whatever that word is. If you know anybody who does that, we need more people to do that, because if you know, it takes a while to cut hair, uh, and so we need as many as we can. So if you know anybody, please come let me know, and uh, let's make the connection to make it happen, and I think we should just bless this school going back. Amen. 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 So we bless the teachers. We're blessing the school. We're building a family resource center. This is going to be, I believe, an amazing year where everybody who goes into Tonalea knows that Jesus loves them because Banner Church has been there telling them that Jesus loves them. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're in our series called Praise the Lord. Someone say, Praise the Lord. Come on, say with like a little, a little like attitude, soul, bring it in. Praise the Lord. See, that feels good, right? Feels good. We're in our series, Praise the Lord, and today we're going to talk about the presence, the presence of God. Specifically, we're going to talk about pursuing the presence of God. 
Now, the presence of God the, and the, the word presence, I feel like is a word we hear a lot, but we often wonder, like, what does that actually mean, the presence of God, to pursue the presence of God? It's a little easier when we think about a person, right? It's easy to understand being in the presence of an individual. Uh, have you ever been in the presence of a person that just like, they just like blew you away? It was so amazing. Maybe like a hero or like an athlete, maybe around somebody like, I don't know, somebody really famous. Has anyone met somebody really famous? Like three people? Good. Y'all are like me then. I have met nobody famous. <laughs> I, I'm like getting these groups of people and they're like, oh yeah, I met Harrison Ford in an airplane and he was like, what's up man? And then like gave me his Indiana Jones hat or something. I don't know. I have never met anybody famous. I've not met famous athletes. I've not met famous movie stars, but I have met one famous person. And it happened like this. Thank you, Ty. Was that Ty? That a very Ty amen. Thank you, brother Ty. <laughs> I met one famous person, and it happened like this. I was uh, in a town called Almanor, and Almanor is a town in the Sierra Nevadas between nowhere and Mount Shasta. And uh, I, we went to church because my in-laws are the most spiritual people on earth, and they're those kind of people that even when they're on vacation, they go to church. Raise your hand if you're super spiritual go to church on vacation. Come on, be honest. I love you. I'm not. I don't go to church on vacation, uh, <laughs> mostly because I, I work here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but sometimes I do. I do when I'm with my in-laws because they're more spiritual than me. And uh, that's, you know, the old school vibe they come from. And so we're at church. And while we're at church, I would say it's maybe the whole church could fit like in this half of this area, right? Or is it pretty big? I can't remember. Maybe it's all of this. Let's picture this space if you would. And uh, it's like all the people in the town. And we're there worshiping. And I look over and... Who do I see worshiping but the man himself, Chuck Norris? <laughs> and at that point, I, I don't remember anything else that happened up front because the whole rest of the, the time I spent trying to figure out if that was Chuck Norris. And so I elbow my wife and I'm like, Katie, Chuck Norris is here right? And now I'm from a town where no one famous is from, and so it made sense to me that my wife would turn to me and say, there's no way Chuck Norris is here. I'm like, okay, not a lot of people look like Chuck Norris, right? And I look over, and there is Chuck Norris. Let me tell you, I don't know if you knew this, uh, Chuck Norris worships the Lord. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, now, I, there's like this weird thing that men do that treat worship as like feminine, like singing's for girls. Chuck Norris flipping worships, okay? <laughs> Chuck Norris raises his hand in worship. Chuck Norris sings. So if you think worship's feminine, y'all need to bring it up with Chuck Norris because that dude worships. He can defeat Bruce Lee in a fist fight. He can destroy communism and worship the Lord. So... Might be the most masculine thing we do, apparently. I don't know. He's good with his hands this way and this way, right? <laughs> yeah. He can throw hands out and up. Anyways, so I look over, and uh, Chuck Norris is there. I'm trying to tell my wife, Chuck Norris is here. And she's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. At this point, she's got me doubting. I'm just waiting for the guy on stage to shut up. You guys know what I'm talking about. So that I can go ask if this is Chuck Norris, but now I'm freaked. Because what if it's not? Or what if it is, and I, and I don't come to Chuck Norris with confidence, and he doesn't receive me? <laughs> Can you imagine being rejected by Chuck Norris? It would be devastating. Like, not today. Jesus will never—that's another sermon. Um, <laughs> so as I'm going out the door, like, trying to look and see if this is Chuck Norris, some guy yells, hey, Chuck! And in that moment, I knew it was Chuck Norris. <laughs> I would, and that's my only famous person I met. I was in the presence of Chuck Norris while we were in the presence of God. I was in the presence of God with Chuck Norris. It's the most spiritual experience. That's when I knew I was called to ministry right there. Chuck Norris. No, not really, but. But being in the presence of a person is a lot easier to understand in a physical sense. But being in the presence of God, I think, is a lot more complicated. And we use it in phrases like, hey, come to presence night. But do we actually know what it means to be in the presence of God? I always had questions about this, if I'm being honest. When I, when I started following Christ, I had questions, right? So, so to be in his presence, does that mean sometimes I'm not in his presence? 
right? I had questions like, I thought he was like always around us. He was like everywhere. It's like, you better watch out. You better not pout, right? You know, better not cry. God's watching. I don't know. You know, <laughs> right? I thought he was like that. Maybe I'm just neurotic. I think about these things, right? I, th- I get questions all the time like, wait, if God is omnipresent, like everywhere at once, doesn't that mean he's always present? Which, why do we need to come into a presence night if God is always present? I've had people come up and say, Pastor, we shouldn't sing songs about inviting the presence of God because God's already present with us. Are they right? No, but I'm going to explain. Uh, today I'm going to teach what is the presence of God and, and kind of importantly, why the pursuit of the presence of God through worship will change your life. This is a worship series. We're talking about why praising the Lord is what we were created to do in relationship with Him. But today I want to talk about why the pursuit of the presence through worship will change your life. Let's pray together. If you're here, bow your heads with me. I want to I pray over you as we receive the word. Lord God, we thank you that your word is alive and active. We thank you that it's for teaching. We thank you for that it's for instructing and correcting and guiding. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're active in this place. Would you move upon our hearts in your mighty name? Amen. So maybe let's just start with what is the presence of God? What's the presence of God? It's unique in in comparison to a person, right? Because God is omnipresent. What does that mean? It means he's everywhere at once. God is everywhere at once. That's like exciting and scary, right? Depending on what you did last night. (laughs) God's everywhere at once. He's omnipresent. He's not restrained by place and time like you and I would be. And that's kind of beyond our comprehension. And yet God chooses to reveal his presence in ways that we can see or experience. Because to be present with someone is to be near or to be with them, right? If I'm present with you, I'm there. I'm there with you. I'm near you. I'm with you. He's present with us. So the question is, how does Scripture, how does the Word of God say that God expresses His nearness to us, right? Because here we have an infinite God that created the universe expressing His nearness to a finite people. We have an infinite God who's outside of all space and time expressing it to a finite person like me who's like very much restrained by time and space. It's unique. So let's talk about it. I want to start in the Old Testament. If you have your Bible, the Old Testament is the part at the beginning. It starts with Genesis, right? It's the books of the law that begin For the Jewish, five books of the Jewish law, the books of wisdom, the prophets, all of that. That's the Old Testament. It's everything in preparation and presentation of what's going to be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. But it's the Old Testament. So we can't talk about all the ways God's presence is revealed because that would be like a whole master's course. But we're going to talk about a few today that are important for us in understanding it together here. One of them is this, ways that God's presence is shown in Scripture, specifically the Old Testament, is the glory of God. Someone say glory. Glory, the glory of God. God's glory is a visible, a visible extension of God's nature. So, um, The heavens, for example, declare God's glory. They're a visible extension of God's glory. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. And God reveals His glory all throughout the Old Testament. But one of the ways that He reveals His glory is by manifesting His glory in, in, in a way, in His presence in a way, that people can see. So sometimes it'll be like in a fire or a cloud or, or an earthquake or a whisper. He, he comes with His glory. The most obvious and powerful example that we have is the, when the glory of God fills the tabernacle. Let me explain that for a second. I like the word tabernacle. Uh, The tabernacle was a tent of meeting. It was literally the tent of reunion. When God brings his people out of Egypt, their slaves, what does he bring them out to do? To worship him. What did God, well, X-Files music. What did God uh, create us to do? To worship him in relationship. What did sin create a division between? Us in the relationship we were created to worship. 
So God brings his people out of Egypt, and he builds the tabernacle, and he rests there with his presence in the tabernacle, the tent of reunion. What is he reuniting? He's reuniting himself and his people in his presence. Are you still with me? So the tabernacle was a place where the glory of God fell. What sin separated in Eden, God is, is in a way restoring in the tent of reunion, in the tabernacle. And now when they would move, the glory of God would go with them and it would take the form of a pillar of fire or a cloud of smoke. See, most of the time I feel like I can understand how Israel disobeys because I'm mildly disobedient as a person as well. But the pillar of fire thing shocks me a little bit. Only because if I was following a pillar of fire, I might be afraid to disobey. Just a thought, right? Like, what, do, what are we doing today? Well, we're going to wake up and see that giant pillar of fire. Yep, we're going to follow it for the next 40 years. All right. Okay. Here we go. All through Saudi Arabia, right? But the glory of God will reside in that place. And when, the Israel, when Israel comes in to the promised land, into Jerusalem, they build the temple. And the temple is the permanent residence, the residing of God. And so in the temple would sit the Ark of the Covenant. Where are my Indiana Jones fans at? Okay, so you've seen the Ark of the Covenant. You know what I'm talking about? It's got the winged cherubim on it, just waiting to kill some Nazis. You know what I'm talking about? And the presence of God would rest there between the two cherubim on the, on the, on the ark, not in Indiana Jones, but in the temple. The presence of God would rest there. The glory of God is the transcendent God making his presence and nearness visible to his own. That was his glory. His glory was inhabiting the temple. When scripture says his glory, it means his presence. It means who he is. It was his being in a sense. It's the presence. God is there. One of my favorite songs is a, is a Jesus culture song from like, I don't know, probably 10 years ago called Show Me Your Glory. And it comes from this uh, moment where Moses is on the mountain with God. And God says, hey, I'm about to send you into the promised land. And Moses had been, like, meeting with God. Like, powerful stuff. M could you imagine just, like, you on a mountain? Not like, oh, it was a great hike, but, like, you saw God up there. You'd be like, we're doing this hike again, right? He see, he's, like, encountering God. And God says, I'm going to send you up from here out of this place. And Moses responds, I think, in a very apt way. He's like, please come with us. Please also come with us if you send us. He says this, Exodus 33. It says, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Moses knew something that's so important. The defining characteristic of the people of God is the presence of God. Did you know that the defining characteristic of the people of God is not like branded t-shirts? It's not that you listen to the newsboys in the early 2000s, late 90s, right? It's not that you even know who that is that I just listed to you today, right? It's not that you come into here. It's not that you got some banner merch. It's not because you posted online. It's not because some candidate says that they have the same belief system as you. The defining mark and quality of the people of God is the presence of God. So Moses knew that. He said, hey, don't send me from here unless you go with me. Because if you're not with us, we're just like everyone else. And that's not to knock anybody else. But man, when you've tasted of the goodness and grace of God, you're like, please don't remove me from this. And the people knew. When the glory of God was there, when the glory of God filled the tabernacle, or was on the mountain, or was in the temple, God was present. And so they would worship, and they would say, God, show us your glory. And they would come together, and they would do this. They would seek his face. They would seek his face. They would seek his presence. They would seek him in his presence. 
One of the major ways that the presence of God is revealed in the Old Testament is the face of God. When you see in Scripture it says the face of God, that is the same word as the presence of God. Somebody say the face. The face of God. The most common uh, Hebrew term for presence is panim. That same word translates as, I'll give you a guess, face, exactly. Face, the same word for presence, translates as face. In the ancient Near East, a man's character and personality were considered to be made visible upon his face. And you got to know someone's character by meeting with them face to face. Same is true today. Have you ever gotten in a fight with somebody over text message you didn't realize was a fight so you saw them face to face and they were mad at you? Just the married people? Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> right? And you're like, oh, we were arguing? They're like, yeah, you were very snarky with me. You're like, I, I thought it was very encouraging. And it turns out, great. Sounds different depending on how you're hearing it in a text message because it could be <laughs> great or it could be great, right? Or it could be great. There's no tone. You know, what, you know what you can really see what someone's about? Face-to-face, -face, right? When you're face-to-face, -face, you get that work email. Per your last email, you're like, oh, it's going down. Then you meet them, and it turns out they're super nice. They just can't write an email, right? What I'm talking about. Some of you are like, I, oh, that's me. <laughs> but face-to-face, -face, that's when you know that's relational. So when they would seek his face, they're seeking the relational personal, connective presence of God. And to us, that might sound uh, normal. But can I tell you, in the ancient Near East, it was not normal to have a face-to-face -face relationship with your God. When Israel's going into the promised land, none of those people are having a face-to-face -face relationship with their God. The Babylonians were not having a face-to-face -face relationship with Molech, the bull that eats children, right? <laughs> it's not happening. Uh, not a lot of face-to-face -face with Molech, right? Or Baal, the other animal that eats children, right? A lot of, yeah. You can go listen to our Angels and Demons series, trust me. There was something powerful about the people of God that were able to have a face-to-face -face personal encounter with the Most High God. Now, it happened in the temple through the priests and all these other things, but God's literal presence was there. To see and to seek God face-to-face -face was to seek His personal presence. When Jacob wrestles with the angel way back in Genesis 32, 30, it says, so Jacob, it says in Scripture, so Jacob called the place Peniel, which is a version of Penaim, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, yet my life was spared. When Israel would gather, and they would pray, and they would worship in a holy place, they would say, we're here to seek the face of God. And what you see in Scripture is when Israel was seeking God or not seeking God, you hear about God's face. So when Israel would sin and they would turn from God, Scripture says that God would turn his face from them. Now, he didn't, like, go look on a different nation, right? Like, well, I was looking at Israel, and now I'm going to Bosnia, right? It was that the face of God was the revelation of God's grace. And so when God turned his face from Israel, his face, his presence, his relational aspect, it means his grace was being withheld. And so the people of Israel would repent, and they would come before God in worship, and it said that God would shine his face upon them, and that was a blessing. Why? Because it means that God's presence and his grace was with them. Very common blessing from number 625 is the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Psalm 3116, God let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. That's why in Exodus 33, 14, when Moses is gonna go up, he says, God, send us up. God says, my presence, meaning my face, same word, will go with you, and I will give you rest. The face of God is the presence of God, and to, so to seek God and his grace was to seek his face. Are you still with me? That's what the Old Testament describes. His glory would be present, and you would seek 
personally seek his face. So how did they seek God's face then? In the Old Testament, the first one was they sought it in Jerusalem. You're like, dang it. <laughs> That's a long flight. Don't worry, I'll explain. In Jerusalem, Exodus 48, 35 tells us that Jerusalem means Jehovah is there. That's what Jerusalem is. It was the place for God. And within Jerusalem, there was a place called the temple. Remember I told you about the tabernacle, the traveling tent? Well, eventually, they built the temple, a non-traveling better version of the tabernacle. Same ark, God residing, the presence of God, and the people would come in, and a priest would come in on behalf of Israel and meet with God. And the people would gather around in an inner court, not the Holy of Holies, but another court. And they would gather around, and they would worship God. They would seek God's presence through worship. Why? Because they recognized we're nothing without the presence of God. They realized, you know what? When, God, when we turn from God and his face is turned from us, we lose wars. Right? We don't succeed. We're not joyful. We are not blessed, but when we turn to God, when God's presence is here, when we, when we repent and we restore our hearts, we are blessed. We are overjoyed. We are restored. And so they would come and they would worship. They would give him the glory. That's where they would always start. Why? Because when you give God the glory, it makes sure that you remember who's actually on the throne. The world wants you to give you the glory. Because that's the lie of the enemy, is constantly trying to dethrone God in your heart. But they would give God the glory. They would repent of their sins. They would make a sacrifice. And then they would seek communion. Did you know, way, way, way back in the temple, you know what they'd gather together? They'd do what we just did this morning. They would read scripture, and they would sing, and they would clap, and they would rejoice. People are like, why do we sing? Because we've always done it. We've always gathered to glorify God, to pray, to make music. People are like, yeah, but with the drums and everything, yep, they even had drums back then. They just weren't, they didn't look like that. <laughs> they were louder. For generations, this is what they did. You know, even in exile, this is what the people of God are, are yearning for. They're yearning to come back and worship God. Did you know that in our spiritual exile, this is what we're actually yearning for? To come into a place of the presence of God and be restored to our created purpose. It's like bees still make honey, but we don't worship. We were created to worship God. And they would long for that. And they would cry out for the Messiah and the amazing thing is that God sends him, amen? And so when we look at the Old Testament, that's how they would see the presence of God. But the New Testament, every, it, it's different. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. The New Testament starts, if you're newer to the Bible and you open up, you're like, where's the New Testament? The New Testament starts with Matthew. It starts with the Gospels. And the Gospels are telling of Jesus Christ. Why is this important? Because in the New Testament, we see what was in the temple, what was in the tabernacle, what was on the mountain is now in Jesus. This is important to your theology. This is, so, so if you've like zoned out now, click in now, because I've seen enough on Facebook and going around. We need better theology as people. We need to have a better theological understanding. So hear me. This is important. Jesus is the incarnate word of God. When Jesus comes to the earth, he becomes the incarnate word of God. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. People could now see when Jesus comes to the earth, they could now see face to face God. Fully man, fully God. They have to go in the temple. They didn't have to go into the Holy of Holies. They could see God face to face. He was with them. He was present with them. That's why He was called Emmanuel. It means God with us. Colossians 2.9 tells us, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Fully man, fully God. This is important. Christ, in being the incarnate word of God, becomes the new temple. I know this sounds really abstract, but it's going to be so important as you understand what God has said about you in just a moment, is that when Christ comes to the earth, he becomes the new temple, meaning he becomes the dwelling place, the residing place of God's presence on earth. You still with me? Christ is the new temple. 
when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, in fact, remember Jerusalem, Jehovah is here. He goes to the temple to purify the existing temple, which is what uh, the prophecy said he would do. And in John 2, 19, they begin to question him. How can you do this? And Jesus answers them. He says, destroy this temple. Remember, the most holy place to the Israelites, to the Jewish people. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And they are shocked. They reply, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. Jesus became the new temple. Important. The presence of God resided with Jesus. Fully man, fully God. That's why when people are like, Jesus was just a nice teacher. No, Jesus was the temple of the living God. That's important. He wasn't just a neat dude. He was the resting place of the presence of God because he was God. He was here. And so Christ is crucified. Let me give you a little summary. Christ is crucified. He's crucified for our sins, crucified for your sins and my sins. And remember, for a thousand years, Israel had been making sacrifices of a spotless lamb to cover their sins. They recognized that they were sinful people and they needed atonement for their sins. But that was all symbolic of the final lamb, perfect spotless lamb that would come and die for them. That is who? Jesus Christ. And so Jesus dies, and he's laid in the grave, and the enemy thinks that he's won. He thinks that he's destroyed the temple of the living God. But on the third day, what does Jesus do? He restores the temple. He said, tear it down, and in three days, I'll rebuild it. On the third day, he was restored. But what I love is that he doesn't stop there. He now invites us into that resurrection. Why? Because the purpose was a restoration of our relationship with him and our created purpose to relationally worship the Most High God. You know what we're going to do in heaven when everything's perfect? We're going to worship because we were created to worship God. We were created to live in that space. But what's amazing is now rather than we all got to book flights to go to Jerusalem to find, the, you know, got to go on an Indiana Jones-esque mission to find the Ark of the Covenant to hopefully find the presence of God, something even greater has happened. Rather than coming to the temple to worship where God's presence dwells, God sent his presence to dwell in each of us. This is so important. Jesus was the temple, and as the temple, he's ascending back to heaven, and his disciples are like, what do we do now? And he says, don't worry, I'm going to send my spirit, and you're going to be the new temple. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, wait here. Wait here. Because I'm not calling you to a task. I'm calling you to be the temple. I'm calling you to be the dwelling place. The Spirit of God is the presence of God. And the presence of God is going to come upon you. Not a lesser, but another advocate. This is so important today. Hear me. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. God's presence is within you. The Holy Spirit is indwelt within every believer. We're going to do Acts 2. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, meaning all the, all the disciples were gathered together. It says, Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. God sent the Holy Spirit, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. Isn't that amazing? Have you thought about that recently? There was like the temple held his presence, Jesus was his presence, and now he sent his presence to be with you. That's wild, right? <laughs> that should just constantly blow our minds. It's honestly overwhelming when I think about it. It's amazing and exciting and 
You know, when we uh, do love the blog, well, I joke with people all the time. They're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. What if I interact with someone who speaks Spanish? I'm like, well, uh, when the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing they did was speak supernaturally, and uh, people who spoke other languages interpreted it. So I don't know, just speak in the Spirit. And they look at me like, how dare you? <laughs> I'm like, okay, go, right? But we truly have received the Holy Spirit. And what's amazing is we no longer have to go to the temple to worship in his presence. We are filled with his presence. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. This is so important. You are a temple of God. As believers, you have God's presence with you. When you worship, when you seek God, when you pray, when you glorify Him, He's there. He is present with you. You don't have to hope it falls like fire from heaven. It's already fallen. He's already with you. His presence is there. But what I love is not only is God's presence within you, but the second thing, if you're writing notes, write down this, is that God's presence is in the church. See, we've already, if you're a believer today, then you are blessed in that you have received the Spirit. If you're not a believer today, then let me tell you, when you surrender your heart to Christ and receive the depths and riches of love that He has for you in being your salvation, you also receive the Spirit. And in receiving the Spirit, it's not just for you, but you are brought together as the body of Christ, which is, someone guess it, the church. The body of Christ is the church. Let me give you a little definition today. The body of Christ is a spiritual temple being built with living stones. That comes from Scripture right here. The body of Christ is the spiritual temple. Let me explain. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household. That's being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, meaning Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's the church. The body of Christ is a spiritual temple, but it's being built with living stones. 1 Peter 2.5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. Now, when the old temple—you might have heard me talk about this— if you wanted to go meet with God, you had to be a— priest, and you had to be the high priest if you want to go meet with God. If you went into the Holy of Holies and you were not one of the, the high priests, you know what you would do? You would die. Who's thankful <laughs> that you don't, like, risk, you know, falling dead from the presence of God? Amen. Uh, <laughs> but he's saying we're being built into a holy priesthood. The most high God. Jesus is the high priest who has now invited us into the presence of God. The church is the body of Christ. It's a spiritual temple being built with living stones, which means when we worship together as a church, we continue a tradition that's been happening for centuries upon centuries upon centuries, recognizing the glory of God and seeking his face. Amen? But not only that, when we worship believers, when we worship people of Jesus, followers of Christ, when we worship, we have the Holy Spirit, which means that God's presence is there and moves and resides. And not only is it in each of us, but it is being built up. It is being—our uh, gathering is a residing place for the manifest presence of God. That is incredible. That means the church might be a little more important than we thought. That worship might be a little more crucial than we ever thought. That you might be more valuable than you thought you were. Because you were a temple of the Most High God. You're like, I don't know what I bring to the table. At this potluck, you bring the Holy Spirit. And that's enough, right? That's enough. So the question then, if you've ever had this thought, is if I have the Holy Spirit, right? 
You know, if we have the Holy Spirit then, and the Holy Spirit's in the church, then why do we do presence night? Why do we say pursue the presence of God? He's already here, right? I get asked that all the time. Pastor, why do we keep singing this chorus about the Holy Spirit coming when apparently you just said he's already here? You just spent 15, 20 minutes telling me he's already here. Why do we, why do we pursue the presence of God? Why, do we, why are we so intentional about the presence of God? Maybe a couple reasons. You guys ready? Okay, this is it. Then we're done today. So pay, pay attention. Everyone in? Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> we can think about the Suns game a little later. But right now, we're here. <laughs> Why do we pursue the presence? One, God deserves the glory. Everything starts with that. Psalm 96. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Why do we come into his presence and worship? Because God deserves the glory. That would be enough right there. God is God. He deserves the glory. All the glory comes from him. All the glory belongs to him. And all the glory goes back to him. Amen? He deserves the glory. We seek God in his presence for him first. We come to this gathering for all kinds of reasons, but you know the primary reason that we should come? It's to glorify God. Now, we receive relationship or healing or restoration or teaching or direction or uh, community, yeah, you know, all these awesome things. The first thing is should be to glorify God. The reason that we show up on time to worship is because God deserves it. He deserves to be glorified, to be honored, to be lifted up. And we show him that by our posture, by our singing, by our declaring. We show him that by our priorities. We show him that by our heart. God, you deserve the honor and glory. If I truly believe that you are God, then I will give you the glory that you deserve. And so I come in praising and declaring and worshiping first. This is not a singing Santa list of needs. This is a declaring the glory and authority of God and praising the Most High God. I wish I lived just constantly in that space of glorifying the Lord in song and worship and praise. But uh, if you're like me, I need intentional time to do it. Right? I need intentional time. I need focused time where I put away distractions in my life and I, and I say, wow, I need to reflect on who God really is. I need a big God in my life. And sometimes I need to come into worship and be reminded just how great a mighty God is. And sometimes if I don't feel it, I can look over and see, like, yes, you know what? That's my brother right there, and he knows what he's talking about, and that builds my faith. Look over at Chuck Norris. I'm like, that's a man worshiping. Okay, I believe it too. If Chuck's in, I'm in. God deserves the glory. Why do we pursue his presence? Second thing, it's because there's greater things yet to come. There are greater things yet to come. People say, why, why do we just sing this chorus, Holy Spirit, come, or Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Like, he's already here. I usually respond with, like, do you feel that you have seen in your life, you've seen all that God could possibly do? You have seen the fullness of the move of God upon your life. Everything, every healing, every movement, everything. It's like, no, no one has ever said, yes, I'm done. <laughs> right? Like, then there's more. There's more. We're not summoning him, right? We're welcoming him. We're inviting him. We're opening our hearts to him. Did you know we were promised greater things by Jesus Christ? I've seen some great things, but I still believe in greater things. Do you know what? I pray greater things for this church and for your life. And you know why I do that? Because Jesus told me in John 14, 12, he says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Right there would be enough, right? You know what Jesus did, right? He healed the sick. He raised people from the dead, right? He healed the blind. That would be enough. But he goes on, he says, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That I'm going to the Father is an important thing. Why? Because of what he says immediately after is, and I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, so I was the temple, you're going to be the temple, you have the Spirit, and you're going to do even greater things, not by your power, but because of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. We have the presence of God with us, but we still seek greater things. 
And when I say greater things, here's what we're singing. When you come in and you hear Banner Church and we're singing a song longing for God to move or the spirit to move or to fall, here's what we're asking for. Two things. Ready? Okay. Yes. Thank you, wife. A greater revelation of his grace and love. First thing. When we seek greater things, I mean a greater revelation. When we say we seek more of his presence, we sing the song, we want more of you, God. What do we want more of? We want a greater revelation of his grace and love for us, meaning that God is infinitely loving and gracious and powerful, but how often do we live in a complete understanding of how much he loves us? Not, not often, <laughs> right? Right? We're insecure, we're distracted, we're trying to earn his love to prove ourselves, right? But in worship, we pray, God, give us a revelation, meaning reveal to us supernaturally the depths and riches of your love for us. In your presence, reveal your heart. You still with me? Greater revelation. That's why in Ephesians, Paul prays in verse 3, or chapter 317 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. If they've already received God, why would Paul pray that they would receive the measure of the fullness of God? Because there's more than they have known or comprehended. Why? Because God is infinitely great. There's always more. There's always more of Him. That's why we seek the fullness of God through worship. That's why we sing, open my heart. That's why we sing, all I want is you. That's why we sing, nothing else. Why? Because we want the Lord. We've tr I've tried the other stuff. If you haven't, trust me, stop wasting your time. It's not going to get you there. We get to the point, we say, man, I want to recognize and have a revelation of just how much God loves me and values me and how he went to the cross for me and how he came for me and how he invites me into relationship. That's what we're here. God, we want more of you. A greater manifestation of his presence, the, or uh, sorry, greater revelation of his grace and love. And, this, and kind of point B under this, the we want something greater, is a greater manifestation of his presence. And I'm going to explain all these things, don't worry. A greater manifestation. I kind of have a little, have to have my teaching hat a little bit here because uh, the presence is, it's like huge, right? <laughs> uh, but a greater manifestation of his presence. Again, it's not like God's holding back on us and we have to like say the right word formula and he like releases. It's like, oh man, when we sing a Bethel song, that really sets it off. But like, I don't know, Elevation hasn't been doing it lately. Hasn't been stirring his heart, right? That's not it. We are the ones called to seek and pursue God. There's something in relationship. Pursuit is a part of relationship. It's a part of relationship. Matthew 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. What are we seeking? We're seeking more of a move of God the Holy Spirit, for God to shine his face upon us. People are like, the Holy Spirit's always with us. Really, I agree. He's always with us. 100%. He's with me. He's with you. Have you seen the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit manifest in your life this week? Have you seen the fullness of the gift of healing as promised in Scripture manifest? Maybe not. Maybe yes. Praise the God if yes, right? But I, I think God wants to heal even more. Have we seen the fullness of the manifestation of the gift of prophecy, right? How about in speaking of tongues and interpretation of tongues? How about in wisdom? Like, people are like, why do we need more of the Lord? It's like, I feel like we could use more of the spiritual gift of wisdom in this country. And discernment, that's another one, right? That's why we long for more. We press into the presence of God through worship. We seek his face because we're inviting the Holy Spirit saying, hey, we put you in the right position in our hearts. And we long for you to move in these giftings because the life of following Christ is a life of freedom and a life of power and authority that comes through him. It's a life of healing. Right? Our forefathers in Christianity, when they walked down the road, their shadow would heal people. There's more. Right? There's more. There's more. 
And so we long for more. In 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 1, Paul says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that, yeah, we're all different, and we have different gifts, but he says, seek the higher gifts. Seek the gifts of healing. Seek the gifts of prophecy. Seek the gifts of discerning spirit and wisdom. Seek these in the presence of God. You can't buy them. You can't fake them for very long. I've seen people try. Trust me, I've never seen someone fake it till they make it when it comes to the spiritual gifts. It's just fake it till they break it, right? You can only encounter it as God moves, and we do that by making our heart open, and we pray, God, move. Manifest your spirit here in the fruit and in the gifts. So when we say, God, we're believing for something greater, we mean a greater revelation of his grace and love and a greater manifestation of his presence. Can I tell you, church, man, we need to get a hold of that. God, we want more of you. When I come down to the altar and I kneel down at the altar, I was up here praying this morning. I was like, God, we need you to move in healing. I know people today who need more, who are believing for greater. We need you to take away cancers. We need you to heal bodies. We need you to restore relationships, God. God, and so I'm coming before you, and I'm going to ask, and I'm going to seek, and I'm going to knock. doesn't hurt me. I'm just going to keep knocking on the door because I believe, and I've seen you move. And I believe in a greater manifestation of the presence of God and the move of God in this place. Amen? Because his presence is here. And you know how I know that? Because we're gathered here as temples of the Holy Spirit. Finally, Ben, you guys can come up, but why do we pursue the presence? This is one of my favorite ones. This is a big one. It's a blessing. It is a blessing to be in the presence of God. Better is one day in your courts, God, than a thousand elsewhere. Why do we pursue his presence? Because it's a blessing to dwell in the presence of God is a blessing. Not only that, it's a blessing that crosses like every border right? Rich or poor, it's a blessing, right? Maybe you're feeling victorious or discouraged. The presence of God is a blessing. If you feel uh, maybe happy or frustrated, you could be young or old, you could be um, different backgrounds, countries, ethnicities, right? Everything, it crosses everything. The presence of God is a blessing for everybody at every time. It's a blessing. See, ours is not a burden of religious proving. Ours is a blessing of relational experience with the Most High God who loves us and cares for us. One of my favorite psalms uh, is Psalm 63, and I have tried multiple times to put it into song, and I have had people send me song versions of it, and I just feel like, ah, it's never quite there. But I love this psalm, and it's meant to be sung as a song, because that's what psalms were. They were to music. They were poems to music. And it was written when David had to pretend to be crazy before another king. So David, he's promised to be king, and he has to go on the run, right? And he has to pretend like he's crazy, like crazy crazy. Like he's like drooling everywhere and like running around naked. I mean, it's pretty demeaning. He was, he was in a low place. And he writes like the most beautiful psalm about pursuing the presence of God and what happens when you do. I want to read that to you. I know I've been jumping around a lot, but if you have your Bible, just open real quick to Psalm 63. We're going to be there together just for this very brief final moment. Verse 1, Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole body, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Look at that. Just pause there for a second. In the presence, we're renewed. I was parched, and as I praise and I encounter your presence, where my soul was weary, it's renewed. Did you know in praise we find renewal? In worship we find renewal? Not only that, in the presence we find love. 
says, I saw your love for me, your steadfast love, not the earthly kind, not the kind that had abandoned him and left him in the place he was. It was the steadfast love of the Most High God. And he says, it brought me joy. That you know when we worship, God reveals his great love for us. You begin to sing and you know, recognize, I am who you say I am. Not who someone else has said, not the shame the enemy puts on me. I am who you say you love me. How great is your love, oh God. Psalm 63, verse 5, let's keep going. It says, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Look at that. In the presence, we are satisfied. Hear me, nothing satisfies like Jesus Christ. The things of this world cannot satisfy. We're going to sing a song in a moment called Nothing Else. And the reality is nothing else will satisfy our soul like Jesus Christ. If you have never received the love of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, invite him into your heart. Surrender your heart to him and see that your heart will not be more satisfied than you can ever imagine with the presence of God. If you're feeling empty and unsatisfied, then can I encourage you, come eat at the table of his presence. Verse 6, he says, On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Look at that. In the presence we are secured. When we worship, our faith is built. Our hearts are secured no matter what the season in the presence we find rest. It says in the shadow of your wings. That's a safe place. It's a place you can rest. It's a place your soul can find rest. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. When you worship, we find rest in God. When, when we come up here at the altar and we bring an offering of praise, you know what we're receiving? We're receiving the peace of the Most High God. We're taking our burden. We're laying it at His feet. Or we're kneeling and we're taking it off our shoulders and we're receiving the rest the most high God. But not only that, in his presence we're overjoyed. He says, I remember you, I think of you, and because you're on my heart, I, I receive the joy that comes from you. I cling to you, and you support me, and you uphold me. So where I was locked into depression and darkness, I find joy that comes through you. Verse 9. This sounds obscure, but follow me because it's so powerful. He says, those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They'll be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will rejoice in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. David says, listen, in the presence is where I have victory. When I feel overwhelmed by the forces that have come against me, I go to the Lord and praise, and he brings deliverance. Next week, my wife is going to talk about how in the presence there is freedom and about how when we praise, there is deliverance. But you need to hear today that there is victory as we worship. One, we recognize the victory of Jesus Christ. And two, we walk in the victory that comes through praise. Can we just say today what a blessing it is to have the Holy Spirit that you can right now praise the Lord and experience renewal, restoration, joy, rest, peace, and victory. Amen? Would you stand with me today? I want to encourage you. We're going to end. Would you just bow your heads with me today? Close your eyes. We're going to end with an altar time and a time of worship. We're going to end with a time of pursuing God in his presence. And we're going to do so through worship. And so just a moment, and I just want your heart to be focused on him. In just a moment, I'm going to do so. I'm going to open the altar. And what that means is this space right here, I'm going to open that you might bring an offering of praise to the Lord. That might look like lifting your hands or kneeling or whatever it is. But if you're here today and you need renewal, and you need maybe restoration, or you need a move of God, you need rest. You need joy. I'm going to invite you in just a moment to come forward to the altar. 
to bring an offering of praise and begin to worship him and allow God, the God who dwells within you, to move upon you in this moment as we as a church, as the dwelling place in the Most High God, as we seek him together. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And our prayer team will be around, and they'll put their hand on your shoulder if you're up here. And if you want prayer, you can look at them, receive prayer. If not, just, just keep worshiping, keep doing your thing, and they'll move on. It's just whatever makes you comfortable. But they'll be up here praying as well. But I encourage you, in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to invite you to come forward. Forward. Come to the altar and receive renewal, receive security, rest, receive joy, the satisfaction. Come to the table and eat. Come who are weary and receive. Come who are heavy laden and find rest. Come who are hurting and receive a crown of joy and rejoicing instead of ashes. Come this morning and worship. Lay it down and receive this morning in the presence of the Almighty God. Jesus, we pray this morning, right now. I pray, God, show us your glory in this place. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here with us, but we long for even more of you in this place to move. We need you to heal today. We know there are bodies here today that need to be healed, or there are people standing here today who represent or stand in the gap for people who need healing or relationships that need healing. God, we know that there are those today who need rest in this place and restoration, and we know it only comes through you. We know that there are those who are discouraged. We know that there are those who are concerned or distracted. We know that there are those who feel maybe they have been under attack this week, God, and are feeling the attack of the enemy and need victory this morning. God, we pray as we come into your presence with worship that you would move upon your people as we open the altar. We pray for boldness in the movement that there might be fruit in the move of God this morning in his name. Amen. Amen. As the band plays, I'm just going to invite you, even right now, just come forward and receive this morning.